Veritas, welcome to another equipping podcast. This is Jake. I'm here with a couple uh, of our staff guys, Nathan and Richard, and we're going to talk about uh, being an everyday missionary. It's part of our mission statement. We want to raise up mature disciples. We want to send out everyday missionaries, and we want to glorify God. And we want to take some time to say, what do we mean by everyday missionary. Before we jump into that, though, uh, by the time you're listening to this, the Olympics are going to be over, but it's kind of right in the thick of it now. You guys been watching some Olympics? I have not. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's very I've been trying to watch the Cubs, but they're not good, so I'm, <laughs> I'm left alone. America's other team. I like it. Um, yeah, we've been watching a lot of Olympics, actually, which is so fun. I saw they have sailing as a sport oh, in the Olympics. Yeah. Do you, oh, yeah. yeah. I flipped through like all the different sports they have, and I saw like three on three basketball and it feels like the Olympics has turned into global intramurals. <laughs> Wasn't it kind of always? I mean, I mean, they had like yeah. when you get into three on three basketball and um, but I love the obscure sports like handball and shooting. water shooting like no, not just shooting air rifle. That's right. It's like BB high tech BB guns or something. And I don't the know. gear that those guys are wearing, I turned it on. I was like, this looks like a joke because you've got like a technicolored leather vest on, but your rifle is like a tiny little air BB gun. <laughs> You're very good at it. I just don't know how you like get into that sport. Oh, like and you have air rifles and air handgun rifles. Different. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Badminton. Yep. I was uh, the high school intramural badminton champion no way so i enjoy watching some badminton that's amazing uh and then the probably the most impressive olympic sport for me to watch is table tennis why is why is that that, yeah that is incredible oh they're so fast and and they get pretty pumped about every point about everyone i love actually like when you get to that level of like men's volleyball and those dudes are just ripping it on the court, the, that's that's impressive because a lot of those guys maybe did it in college and then went to Europe and played. Oh yeah, and it's just a different world. So it's it's kind of fun to watch them like slam the ball. At oh, each other. what people! How good they are at what they do! Like how fast somebody can swim in a swimming pool, it's amazing. There was one stand-up comedian I don't remember who it was, but said we need a. Uh, like a test case or a variable, a sample, like a normal person, like put them in lane five and just like, um, just so they show like everybody, like, no, this is what a normal person does. Like, you know, you got Bill in lane five and he's still swimming. He's coming from the Y last week and he's in. (laughs) I got to say that we saw equestrian on and that was the one sport where I'm like, really? Like, I know it's, it's not easy to ride a horse, but at that point you're doing like, horse dancing and you're really good at giving instructions yeah i mean i guess that takes practice i'm at at what point are we going to have like nascar in the olympics you know there's a certain point where it's like are you trying to tell me that nascar (laughs) drivers aren't athletes is that what you're saying uh, they they are i just didn't think (laughs) back up yep yep uh no it is is good it is it's been fun to watch the olympics and see all that activity and that's gonna watch this watch this lead in so we are called to bring the word of God, the gospel to the nations. So you wow. see the nations gathered wow. in the Olympics. And uh, part of our mission is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So let's talk about that. Let's so talk smooth, about Jake. It was pretty slick. Sleek. I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of impressed with that transition. Not, not I can tell of it. Uh, did you see, though, that uh, Russia did full body uh, uniforms for gymnastics? To push back against the exploitation of women. Oh, I, I thought was that Germany or Russia? I thought Germany did that. Maybe was it Germany? 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Germany or Russia yeah. did that, but nobody else sweet. followed. Yep. <laughs> so yep. It is. Uh, it's a step. It's a step. Yeah. I mean, we that would be fun to do a podcast on, on that. But that's not today. Yep. Let's let's get into uh, uh, being an everyday missionary. Now, when we talk about being an everyday missionary or everyday evangelist, um, we don't mean that. What What did you say before? You're sharing the gospel at least once every 24 hours. Right, on a tight schedule, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but there is an everyday intentionality to your mm-hmm. life uh, to live it on mission. Uh, and when we think of mission, it could be filled in with acts of compassion, serving other people, and where those are a part of the Christian life to reflect the heart of Christ. Ultimately, we're talking about the mission of spreading the gospel and making disciples. Um, and when you think of the work of an evangelist to share or proclaim the gospel to other people, do you think either of you guys have the gift of evangelism? When Paul's talking in Ephesians 4, like he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists. Like, do you, you feel like, because I, I admire both of your intentionality and your lifestyles. Mm-hmm. That I would say, yeah, I think maybe you, you do. Would you say that about yourself? I'm not sure I would say formally the gift. I'm just, I think I want to be obedient to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. Fulfill your ministry, do the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. So I think it needs to be exampled by those in ministry, and especially those pastoring or leading or eldering. That is the work of mm-hmm. ministry. And Paul reminded him, don't forget to do that and fulfill yeah. that. So it's a, obedience to that. Totally. Even if you don't have the gift, you don't get a pass. You don't like, have a pass. I mean, we're yeah. all called we're all to called. do that. Yeah. But some people, it's like... You were just in an elevator for three flights, and they're giving their life to Christ. Like, how, how did you do that? I, I don't think I have that gift. I think Richard is closer to that <laughs> gift than I am because it's just I, I've admired, man, just mm-hmm. stories even he's shared of, like, yeah, I went to this gas station, and I know this person's name, and I know their story, and we talked about Jesus. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be more like Richard in that <laughs> regard. So I, I, I don't think I have that gift, but I, I definitely something I want to keep growing into and being disciplined to, sure. to learn about. So whether we feel like we have that gift or not, it is a call. We yeah. are to do the work of evangelists. Um, we're ambassadors for Christ, uh, called to implore others to be reconciled to God. And when you say we there, you're talking to all of us as Christians, right? Not just us as staff people. Whatever. Just professional Christians. Only if you get paid <laughs> to be a Christian. Yes, all of us, all in the body of Christ. We, are, we if you're a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador for Christ. Um, you were called to be on mission. Um, so it's not whether or not you're a missionary, it's whether you're a good one or not. Um, so that's something we want to be a reality in our people, the disciples yeah. we make at Veritas. Like when every time we close a service on Sunday, like we're sending you out to live on mission in your workplace, in your neighborhood, um, at the store, coaching Little League, whatever that may be. And we don't want that just to be talk. We, we really believe that can be a reality. We want to equip people to do that. So let's talk a little bit about uh, being an everyday missionary. How do you live your life with intentional missional purpose every day? What, what would that look like? I just try every place that I go to be thinking about that, about their, about their soul. And it's easy to get caught up in going from errand to errand, appointment to appointment, stopping at the gas station just to just to fill your car up. It's, we all do that. We all get caught up in that busyness. And just over there is learning to slow down and notice. We've talked about ambassador class, about really looking around you, assessing the scene, who's there, 
What kind of mood are they in? How can I engage that? And it helps me to go back to the same places a lot. Mm. I get to know people better that way, like Casey's downtown or different places I like to, to go to and I can call people by name. But I think it's the process is getting up in the morning and say, I gotta think this way. Mm. And I don't always do that. Yeah. And we're all in the same boat on that. But we have to begin to think intentionally every day, who can I impact for the sake of the gospel? I I was really helped when we, we visited friends in East Asia, Jake. We took a trip a couple of years ago just to see some of the church planning work. And one of the things they talked about was telling the person you're meeting with that you're a Christian somehow within the first couple minutes of the conversation because that already opens the door. And so for me, I've kind of got the easy out of like, I work at a church. Hey, let's talk about it, you know. And and you can even tell if people are going to be open or close to that conversation pretty quickly. Um, I think for all of us, though, there are ways of talking about the things that we love, the things that we value, and and dropping that we're followers of Jesus as a way that that's not the same as sharing the gospel, but that at least creates a next step of a conversation. And so, and again, sometimes you you let someone know that you're a Christian and the conversation just shuts completely down. But that might be a rock in their shoe that when they're thinking about things later, it, it you know, they, they know they could talk to you about it. And so for me and Elena, taking walks around our neighborhood since we've had our daughter and just trying to actually like stop and say hi and meet the neighbors and, and chat a little bit. Um, there's an old guy in our neighborhood who uh, um, <coughs> goes out and waters his lawn just in his underwear. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's at the point where he just doesn't care anymore. But The, the late blooming Olympics? Oh, man. I don't know if there's anything <laughs> Olympic about that. But um, he, he called us over the other day. Like we were walking by. He's like, hey, I want to show you something. And I'm going... Oh, no. <laughs> I've seen enough already. Um, but he, he's been working on this truck and just really loves this truck and wanted to show us what was going on with this truck and talk about where he was going to show the truck. And so he was deeply appreciative that we just looked at his truck with him. And like that, that just opens up some relationship even to talk a little bit more about more weighty things later. But he knows that I care enough to know about his truck. I don't know anything about trucks, but I know that he loves this truck, right? And so even those things, it was like, okay, we're on a walk, and I didn't have to go ask him what he cared about. He was looking for someone to talk to, and we just made ourselves available because because we're not just there to go on a walk. We're there because yeah. of Jesus. So I hear you guys talking about simple intentionality. It doesn't mm -hmm. seem complicated, but because it's simple intentionality, it's probably those little things that we often overlook. I, you mentioned our trip to Southeast Asia to visit some some missionaries we support there that um, when you get on the ground and, and hang out with them, they're like, what do you do? It's like, oh, you meet people and share the gospel. What you do here is what we should be doing constantly there. And you see that in simple intentionality to make connections and relationships for the sake of sharing the gospel. I remember I had a friend who uh, uh, we often think of convenience instead of mission and uh, a simple way he was intentional is instead of paying at the pump for gas which is so much faster he would go in and pay um, and he would make sure as often as possible to go to the same gas station and he would get to know that uh, the person working the counter and in fact one time it, he'd always ask how are you doing and at one time uh, the person wasn't doing well and just started to kind of unload and share in the middle of the store but he had made that connection over time to build that relationship was mm -hmm. able to to invite her to church and it was it was a sweet sweet thing yeah. to do that but those intentional things in in the simple simple aspects yeah. of i life. stopped into barnes and noble in town recently 
and the lady at the Starbucks counter used to come into our coffee shop 20 years ago, and she's still serving Starbucks at the bookstore. And I had a chance to chat, catch up with her a bit, and she just unfolded some of the heartache in her life mm-hmm. over the counter. We had about 10 minutes before the customers came behind mm-hmm. us. Didn't expect it. I just slowed my, my pace down and listened to her, her story. And we're going to connect again next time I'm in there. Yeah. Just, again, get out of that fast-paced lane that we get caught in. We all do. i got to get to the next thing. And I think the gospel intentionality says slow down and engage people. That may be one of the hardest things for me. That, it feels like slowing down to be intentional about that when it's always like next thing. What's the next thing? i got to get home. i got to get to work. i got to get this done. But to have space for people, have space for gospel conversations. I'm... I'm like thinking in life. I've been thinking lately about how much I hate the idea of like, Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Yeah. All of us are busy, but what am I really busy with? If I'm not busy about the stuff that Jesus wants me to do. And so that doesn't mean I've got less important stuff in life. Sure. But trying to find those places where it's like, Hey, are my priorities really in line? Or am I actually cramming my life with too much stuff where I'm not able to be busy about the rights about, about what Jesus has. And yeah, even at restaurants, particular restaurant I like to go to and um, knew one of the servers pretty well and was trying to hang out with him and, and got his number and he wouldn't hang out eventually kind of kind of dipped and, and that was okay and then another server built a relationship with and she had some health stuff going on I said hey I'm a Christian I'm, I'll be praying for that and the next time I saw her brought it up and she just was really appreciative and thankful and haven't gotten to share the gospel yet but that that's some steps that we can build over time. So it doesn't have to be a like, all right, I'm going to share the gospel, better drop the gospel bomb, better make sure it happens. But even building up the courage kind of in hope and in faith as we build relationships and care about the person, mm-hmm. you know, like the way that the gifts work, if I don't love this person, like first Corinthians 13 says, it's not gonna be effective anyway. So if I want to be a good evangelist, quote unquote, helping Jesus help me love or asking Jesus to help me love people is a big step towards it. Cause if I really love them and care about them, I'm going to care about, the most important things, their relationship with Jesus. So let's back up and look at the task. We're called to make disciples. We're called to spread the gospel, to be ambassadors for Christ, to implore other people to be reconciled to, to God. Generally speaking, as the American church, how are we doing in that? Your assessment. Richard, you've, uh, you've seen the church longer than I have over here. We yes, Richard, yeah, the last the hundred, hundred years, years. I see this. Uh, <laughs> I, I think overall we're not doing well. I mean, it's a constant challenge, I think, to our brothers and sisters to say, I need to be intentional in this. I need to be obedient. And I think one of the understandings of the language in Matthew 28 and the Great Commission is as we are going, it's just not the going out. That's true. But as we are going out on mission, that's the everyday aspect of what it is. And I think a lot of times we just simply are either disobedient or we forget the importance of having that mindset constantly. And if we were more consistent in that, and that resulted in discipleship, our churches would be much bigger than they are. There'd be more of a percentage of people being saved if every one of us were obedient every day. Can you imagine the impact of just our congregation, everybody being obedient who's a follower of Jesus and and witnessing in some context Mm 
you know, every day. I mean, this just blows my yeah. mind what the Church of Jesus Christ would be like. If half our people led somebody to Christ right. next year, even if a quarter of our people right. led somebody to Christ next year. that'd be. Now, Nathan, you've spent um, some of your ministry years in SALT or college ministry. Like, how do you see this play out with young people or college students specifically? I'm, I'm hopeful and encouraged by the pace that the college students are setting because... Man, some of their their just joy in the new faith that they have overflows to other people. So, I mean, Salt Company has has tons of stories of students coming to Christ because their peers have been really faithful. And there's a balance between this come and come and see and go and tell, where yeah, inviting someone to church or inviting them to Salt Company where they hear somebody stand up and share the gospel, but also going out and sharing. There's a beautiful mix of both. It, it's not one or the other, but I think it's easier to invite someone to come check something out. And so there's maybe some intimidation people feel about college campuses, and we could, you know, we could have long conversations about how they're becoming more liberal or whatever, but those students are still looking for the answers to life and to meaning and to all of that, and Jesus has those answers. And so I'm hopeful. So you're hopeful, you're encouraged, um, maybe a broad assessment not doing as well as we could. I would I'd probably agree. The the typical uh, church attender, when you say, have you shared the gospel in the last six months with an unbeliever? Probably the answer is no. Um, why do you think that is? I think we're distracted. I think there's there's enough stuff going on in our personal lives, but also sort of the headlines of what's going on in the world that we can feel caught up in things and miss out on the everyday intention. So I think we could be so distracted with the the social change or the political movements or the whatever stuff that's happening, but it's happening also far away, whatever, that we miss out what's happening in our neighborhood. And so it's easier to get caught up in um, policies about masks or the pandemic or whatever, and miss the fact that oh, I haven't talked to my neighbor about how they're doing and where. So in a sense, we have our own mission yep. instead of God's mission. Whatever yep. I'm particularly yep. passionate about in that moment is yep. my mission. And I think that distraction leads to disobedience. We get so, so caught up in that in that pattern of distraction. We say, "I'm too busy to do this." Back of our mind and in our heart, though, say, "I'm, I'm disobeying the gospel here. Yep. I need to be more intentional." Yeah. And that's why we need the fellowship and the challenge and the example of the next generation. When you're in college, you're focused. You know, you're intentional about the gospel. You're on fire for Christ. We lose that as we get older. And I think to see that energy and, and that context, we need as older adults to see that passion renewed by their example. I also think we can feel intimidated and underprepared. Mm -hmm. You know, th there can be the sense of like, man, what if someone asked me a question I don't know the answer to? And it's that, probably a lot easier to talk about politics or movie arts or sports to be like, hey, let's talk about eternal matters that are controversial. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And, and again, that fear of, man, what if I don't know the right answer can lead people to just not going there. And assuming the best, like absolutely assuming the best, is like, man, I don't want to dishonor Jesus by seeming like an idiot, right? <laughs> okay, I, I get that. And the gospel is going to seem foolish unless God shows up. And so the goal is not to be, yeah, these kind of crazy wild people that are saying nonsense stuff. But at the end of the day, my slick arguments, my, my neat package presentation isn't going to save a soul. But the gospel is a power of God for salvation, Romans 1.16 tells us. And so 
understanding that good news of what Jesus accomplished and what that means for the mm-hmm. person in front of me is I mean, God uses that simple proclamation. Sure. And, and it's foolish to those that are perishing. Yeah. Do you think some of it is we just don't want to look like fools? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. 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 Why has evangelism got a bad rap? Like whether it's, uh, I forget, was it the Air Force or there was like a, a campus situation where they were trying to make proselytizing against the rules or... Air, um, Air Force Academy, I believe. Yeah, yeah. where there's... Um, there's just kind of a bad rap when it comes to evangelism, trying to impose your viewpoint on somebody else. But I mean, when we're called to be ambassadors of Christ, saying implore people to be reconciled to God, like, well, there is a sense of reality of like, yeah, I'm trying to get you to believe this, but that's frowned upon uh, in our context. Why is that? I think there's a fear of that door to door, putting people on the spot that I don't know anybody that does that anymore, except Jehovah Witnesses. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just that was an old style, old school way to do that cold call. It's you know? funny when you talk about old style. Uh, we were at a conference and there's a panel. Uh, they were asking questions about evangelism mm-hmm. and kind of for a young style of quote unquote relational evangelism to the old style of door to door. And uh, they asked one pastor what what he thought of the old style. And he's like, well, I like our parents' way of doing it better than our way of not doing it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and there's That's a certain good. sense in relational That's evangelism. True. It's yeah. like, I got a lot of friends, and I've never shared the gospel with them. So it's like, let's not call it a relational evangelism. Let's call it you're just being relational. Yeah. Um, and evangelism, you still have to get to the point, whether you knock on a door or you've been a friend for a long time, where you're saying, I want to talk to you about yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I just find that the more intentional we are, the Spirit of God brings those situations to mind. Mm-hmm. We're praying for the person. We're praying for our schedule that day. You're already in the Spirit, praying without ceasing every moment. The Spirit of God gives you opportunities, and we just need to begin to walk through. And I think courage is developed by caring. And when people know that you care, then the courage is there to be able to speak into that because you know that they know that you love them. It's a whole different mindset. So do you guys got any uh, um, war stories of you tried to share the gospel and got laughed at, rejected, uh, ridiculed? I mean, come on, you're going to share the gospel enough. That's, you're not going to bat a thousand. I mean, I, I've gotten recent stories of uh, on my cricket team. They know I work for a church. They know I'm not showing up to practice because I'm going to church and valuing those things. And so they've they've joked like, well, Mr. Pastor, blah, 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 whatever. And so um, trying to respect those guys and know that got friends that are Muslim and Hindu in there and stuff like that and understand where they're at. But um, they they kind of are a little bit chagrined just at, at my profession even. So don't have great like actual gospel proclamation conversations yet with those guys. But um, yeah, they think I'm kind of an odd duck, which is, which is, I am. That's where well, we agree with that, yeah. a different context, but. <laughs> I crashed and burned one time. I was trying to share the gospel with this guy and he was kind of being antagonistic and I was just getting frustrated. Finally, I was like midnight, one in the morning. I just realized he's too drunk to understand that <laughs> and we got to go to bed or go on, but, yeah. uh, it, it did not, not go well, um. In that time, that, I hear you. I had one of those where, when the conversation starts looping, when the person just keeps coming back to the same thing over and over again, the, the guy I'm thinking of was was drunk at that point. But yeah, we had a good conversation until he just kind of kept coming back to the same thing over and over. Like, yep, we, yep, we talked about that. But I, I had a, a friend in college who was a um, 
he was doing his PhD in physics, I think, or something like that. And his trump card was like, well, I'm a scientist, so I don't think this. Well, I'm a scientist. is like, well, you literally are a scientist. I get it, yeah. But we came to a point where he, uh, he said, there's, just, there's no evidence on, of Christianity. And I asked him, like, what evidence would you need? Like, what, what evidence is it? And he was kind of stumped there, and I was like, "Oh, Holy Spirit! All right, <laughs> cool." So, so he didn't he didn't accept Christ in that moment, but it like, you know, he had a, he had a quick trump card of why everything I was saying was sure. kind of ridiculous. They have a couple of neighbor guys in in our community that don't show a lot of interest, but uh, you know me a little bit. I'm the, I pursue, and we just stay in relationship. And the one guy even kind of mocks a little bit, tells us, "Friend, there comes the preacher," but uh, there's respect there. You know, because there's a friendship. And I think it still kind of hurts to realize, yeah, what's being said when I'm not there? But that's okay. That's part of the cost of the gospel. But at least we're in relationship, and I can ask questions, and there's an open conversation. We sit in their garages. That's the office in Troy Mills, you know, <laughs> go to the garage. But it's just it's an ongoing, I think, challenge, and here's part of it too, is not taking no for an answer. As long as we're in relationship, I think we need to keep trying to find ways to lean. It's a little different than a cold call. But if you're in a relationship, even with someone says no, I can come back with a question Mm -hmm. and not give up on the friendship, not give up on the conversation, and not be intimidated by that. I was reading a Christian book recently somewhere out in town, and um, one of the staff came over and just sat by and asked me what I was reading. We were chatting and found out I'm a Christian and was reading something about Jesus and very quickly started like, well, doesn't God love all people, though? doesn't God this and that? And it's like, well, I mean, he loved, yeah, he, okay. God so loved the world. Okay. Whoa. I didn't know, like I wasn't, I wasn't being intentional, but it, it, yeah, there, there was both some antagonism and I was trying to just show like, Hey, I want to have a conversation. You know, I I think Richard, you've, you've made a point of like the point of the first conversation is to get to the second conversation, to keep, keep the relationship going where we can keep talking about Jesus and truth and not make it a one and done thing. But that was one where I was not, ready or anticipating and kind of got some heard his story a little bit and heard some hurt from the church and Christianity. And, um, he hasn't opened up that door again. I'm trying to be friendly and say, Hey, how you doing? And, and whatever. And, um, there's kind of a wall up there that I think is more about his past than about our conversation. But that kind of was like, all of a sudden here we are. And I didn't know, I didn't know I was swimming in those waters. So what would you, what would you tell somebody that is afraid to share the gospel? Afraid of rejection. Uh, I would tell them they're in really great shoes because Jesus was there. I mean, he shared his life and his mission, and he was wholesale rejected by his own people. Uh, That's good company, you know, not to be afraid, not to be intimidated. We know the mission. We know the presence of God is with us. I'm with you to the end of the age, very clear. Just we have to look at eternity in view and look at it through the eyes of Christ to say, I need to follow him, and that may mean some persecution it may mean being rejected and i need to have that 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 spirit every day of saying i will follow jesus no matter what the cost it's better to be faithful to jesus and rejected by people than accepted by people and rejected by jesus Mm -hmm. when when christ says you know if you're ashamed of me before men i'm ashamed of you before my father that's that's a weighty verse there in that Mm -hmm. what would you say to somebody who doesn't feel adequate to share the gospel with other people 
Taking master's class. Let's go. Taking master's class. Let's get our plug. <laughs> Let's get it in there. <laughs> yeah. I, Everybody <laughs> at Veritas, we would love it if you took the ambassador's class. Ambassador's class, we work through 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul uses that phrase that we are ambassadors for Christ, trying to help people understand what does that mean practically? How do you share the gospel? We kind of, um, I'm got, you, you just allowed me to jump into my plug here. Uh, so one of the things that we notice in the life of Jesus, and I, we get this from Paul Miller. Paul Miller uh, wrote a book called A Loving Life. But when you look at the life of Jesus, there are three things that kind of consistently come up. Uh, he noticed people around him. Uh, when he noticed people around him, he had compassion uh, for on them, and then he did something about it. And if you look at the miracles of Jesus, it'll draw attention to his eyes. It's like Jesus saw the woman. Uh, and then it's then it, right after it says he had compassion on her, and then he did something. That's a consistent pattern that we see. And we said we want to be people who notice, feel, and do. We want to notice people around us. We want to have compassion uh, on their situation, and we want to have a, a display of gospel reflecting love in their life. And that all sets up notice, feel, and do sets up an opportunity to share. And that's uh, Jesus didn't come just to feed the hungry and heal the sick and meet physical needs. Those things validated who he was, and he was there to preach the kingdom of God and, and himself as the Savior. And we live like that because we want to preach the gospel uh, to other people. So take ambassador's class. Be equipped on how to tell your story, to live as an ambassador for Christ, uh, and feel more confident doing that. So that's my plug. And, and hopefully in that, hopefully your average person of Veritas that takes that class isn't necessarily going to be like, oh, I never knew this, but more they're going to have some pieces put together of how God has already been preparing them to go share the gospel. Because again, sharing the gospel is not this specialized thing that you have to get an advanced degree to do. It's it's the main and plain thing of the overflow of what God has done in our lives. I agree. But Richard drops some mind-blowing bombs in that class. That's that fair. Gonna, You'll learn. I've never heard that before. This is life-changing. <laughs> That's but fair. You're going to have to do it. So if you feel inadequate to share the gospel, what do you tell that person? Man, I'd have some questions. One question would be, what do you feel inadequate in? Is it in your knowledge? Is it in your ability? Is it in your story? Is it in your presentation because a lot of those things come back to to me my power my ability my prep and it's like this is not this is not about me at the end of the day now granted i i want to be ready to give a defense of my faith for sure but if i have my eyes on jesus it's a lot easier to share the gospel and if i have my eyes on me and how well i'm doing and the relationships where i i have the biggest miss or take the longest time to share the gospel is because i'm worried about me but when i'm when I'm already ready to overflow with Jesus, who he is, what he's doing, it's easier to talk about him. Yeah. And I come back, even you cited earlier, Romans 1.16, uh, don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. It's not your power. It's not yeah. in your, you mm. don't articulate Amen. somebody into the kingdom of God. It's God uses your broken effort to do his miracles and, and to trust in that. And that's one thing we really work on in ambassador classes. What is your story? What has Christ done in your life? That should not be intimidating. Mm -hmm. The gospel is all about Jesus, and what has he done for me? Can yeah. I share you how he's changed changed my life? That's the bottom line. Right, and I, I love like that approach in that class. It reminds me of Peter and John in Acts mm -hmm. 4, where they're like, hey, you need to stop talking about Jesus. And they're like, I can't help can't but help talk it. about what I've seen and heard. So it's coming from their own personal experience. And we want that true in our people. Like, 
we want you just to be so impacted what God's done in your life that you can't help but talk about it. And we're just going to help you tell your story and, and understand what God has accomplished for you. And I think connection group and community can be a great place to help with that. So our, our connection group this summer has been doing different things, um, helping with each other, yard work, whatever. But we were at someone's house on Monday and um, the, she she's like oh yeah so-and-so neighbor there she knew his name he's kind of an agnostic but we're whatever and she went over and had a conversation while we were working then i went over and met him and heard more about his life story and could you know could name some facts about his life but i have a face and a name to pray for him now and i'm praying for for the family that lives in the house right next to him that are already trying to be intentional and so we get to be on each other's team with that and so if if Maybe if you're afraid of sharing the gospel, get some more believers on your team who are praying for you, keeping you accountable, or could even be part of sharing the gospel. Like in college, I mean, we were talking earlier, but one of the sweet things was my friends and I would be intentional about the people we were pulling into our friend group and got to see people come to Christ because it wasn't, okay, I am going to go witness to this person, but we'd invite the person in to come and talk. And what we talked about was Jesus and what he's doing in our life and, and, it was awesome. You know, again, multiple people came to Christ because they got around us and we shared the gospel and shared our testimonies as a kind of as a team, as a, as a friend group. Um, and people got to see what was happening in our lives as we were talking about it too. I go back to the Acts 17 and Paul's Paul in Athens to, I think the other thing that gives us confidence, we need to be aware of the issues of our day. Mm. We cannot be intimidated by that. What are people talking about? at the workplace, in our neighborhood. We need to know those issues and know how to use those as a bridge to talk about the gospel. Yeah. Okay, one or two practical pieces of advice. If somebody's listening and say, I know I need to get better at this. I, need, I know I'm called to be an everyday missionary. I'm not doing it. What's, what's one or two practical advice? Questions are often more powerful than statements, and especially questions that are about... A definition like what does a person mean by that thing opens up ground to for understanding so this especially when I was dealing with Muslim friends we would talk about sin and talk about God and justice and all this stuff and I realized we when we talk about sin we mean something different and they kind of meant a mistake and I meant offense against the Holy God and so they couldn't understand why you need a savior and it took me going hey when I say sin what do you what do you mean by that um, or a, a lot of times if I'm meeting someone f- who'd say they're a Christian and say, hey, we talk about the gospel. What, what is the gospel? And not to try to trap them or trick them, but just to understand where are you at so that I'm not making assumptions, but they can use their own words, and that opens up great conversation. So ask a lot of questions. You don't yeah. have to be the... Work for clarity. Christian. What about yeah. you, Richard? I think having a passion for the lost, you know, see them as one heartbeat from hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a reality apart from Jesus forever. If we have that sense in our spirit as we go out, these people are lost, and I need to love them. I need to give them the gospel so they can at least be responsive to the good news that it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus yeah. has saved them. Yeah. It, and back even to Second Corinthians 5 from our ambassador's class, it's like, we're the love of Christ compels, compels us. us. The yeah. reason that we do this is because we're so blown away by the gospel that we gotta share it. They're like this is the yeah. greatest news in the world. Like you, right. God is not counting your sins against you anymore mm-hmm. because of Christ. He's like that. It doesn't get any better than that. Like yeah. to yourself so that you're right. able to enthusiastically preach it to other people. Right. You have any other tips for us, Jake? Uh, I would basic. I would start praying for. Uh, opportunities 
I have found that that is a prayer request God answers really faithfully. <laughs> uh, when Amen. you say, you know, yeah. open my eyes to people, give me an opportunity to share the right. gospel with somebody. That is a, a, something that should be a part of our prayer life um, to do that. I would say learning to be a listener, to be a better share of the gospel. Like, what's your, what's, what's this person's worldview? What, what mm-hmm. problems do they have in their life? What do they think the solutions are? Um, yeah, that's Acts 17. Yeah, yeah, and to be able to speak into that, um, mm-hmm. to kind of really understand where they're coming from, um, the false lies they're believing um, to do that. And last, I would just say, at the end of the day, you got to just go for it. Yeah. Um, I remember somebody saying, do you know who finds shark teeth on a beach? People that look for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you just don't stumble. Or rarely do you kind of stumble. Like, But people that go out and come back with a handful of shark teeth are the ones that went out and look for it. And it's like, do you know who leads people to Christ? People that share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, uh, too often, Christians act like just wanderers on a beach, hoping like, maybe someday I'll find a shark yeah. tooth. We need to go out and look for them, or we need to go out and actively share the gospel. And I'm telling you, if, if you share the gospel with 50 people in the next five years, I'm going to guess you don't lead 50 people to Christ. You may lead 20. And I'm guessing if you lead 20 people to Christ in the next five years, that's 20 more than you've done in the last five years, probably. <laughs> so having that intentionality of just like, you just got to drop a J-bomb. You got to say, I want to talk yeah. about Jesus with you. I want to share the gospel. And, and you know what? You're going to get rejected. And you're going to see God do some powerful Amen. things, too. So Amen. I would just say, just go for it. Uh, so Veritas family, we love you. We want to see you be everyday missionaries. We would love to help. A practical step you could take is to sign up for the ambassadors class. And we would love to kind of help you understand the power of the gospel, that you're compelled by it to share with other people. And our hope that's just a part of who we are as a church. So thanks, Nathan and Richard, for uh, chatting about this important subject for a little bit. Love you guys.